You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking with Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan side of network. Today's episode is brought to us by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Lockdown sent you. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Victory Friday. It's also a game day. The Timberwolves have second game of a back-to-back tonight. But today, this is the post-game pod. We're going to talk all about the Timberwolves' exciting victory over the mighty Memphis Grizzlies, currently the number three seed in the Western Conference, and one of the league's probably best four or five teams, really, for the entire season, and certainly the hottest team since late November, early December timeframe. So a really fun, exciting win for the Wolves. They did it in a lot of interesting ways. There were a lot of reasons why they should have won this game. But ultimately, Chris Finch's brilliance in, in the coaching, really all things coaching, and D'Angelo Russell in the fourth quarter uh, were fantastic. And there's plenty more to break down. So we're going to get to all that here in a second. First, though, thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. Of course, Lockdown Wolves is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right. So both teams coming into this game relatively healthy, all things considered, of course, coming out of the All Star break. Neither team has played in over a week. And uh, I mean, obviously, Memphis is phenomenal, right? They're the number three seed in the West. The Wolves had already played them three times this year and won once. Remember, that was the 43-point win. The last time out was a game uh, just about five weeks ago, mid-January. The Timberwolves easily could have won. They were up seven at halftime. They got nothing out of their bench in that game, and Memphis pulled away in the third quarter and and really kind of held the Wolves at arm's length. Minnesota was technically in the game in the fourth, but Memphis kind of put it away in the third. The first game was a relatively easy Memphis win way back early in the season. So this was a chance for the Timberwolves to pull even in the season series. And, uh, you know, for the most part, has played Memphis very well. Uh, Memphis came into this game 41-19. and 19. I said a minute ago, probably one of the top five teams in the league. Pretty, I think that's pretty much the consensus at this point. John Morant, obviously a, a superstar already. Um, it, just a really, really good team. Um, it, but this game started out all Memphis. I mean, Memphis took a 15-point lead in the first quarter of this game. Uh, and it was up by 10 at the end of the first it was just a ton of offensive rebounding. I talked about this in the show on Thursday, the, the pregame show, or the, I should say the game preview, that Memphis is the best offensive rebounding team in the NBA. The Wolves are have been bottom two all season long. They're currently 29th in defensive rebound rate. And it's weird that Memphis is apparently an okay matchup for Minnesota because they just get murdered on the defensive class. It didn't take a rocket scientist to know that that was going to be an issue. And, and I talked about it at length on, on, on Thursday's show. And sure enough, that's exactly what we saw. And, and we'll get more into that later. But from the start of this game, the Timberwolves just could not secure defensive rebounds. And thankfully for Minnesota, Memphis was missing a lot of shots in the paint. John Morant missed three or four layups in the first half of this game. He only had 10 or 12 points at halftime. He easily could have had 20. Uh, there was one, he just completely biffed a wide open layup at one point, but missed multiple shots at the rim. The Grizzlies missed multiple second chance opportunities, uh, both at the rim and on open kickouts for three point attempts after after securing offensive rebounds. And the Wolves simply got lucky in a lot of cases early in this game. They were not playing well. Again, they were down 15 to compound matters. The Wolves were missing a bunch of free throws. They get it down to 10 at the end of the first quarter. And in the second quarter, uh, Carlton Towns kind of 
kind of started to dominate this game. Steven Adams really couldn't do much to slow him down. Towns got him, uh, got a couple of fouls called on him early. Uh, and Towns really kind of dominated the entire second quarter and carried the Wolves. Uh, Malik Beasley started to pitch in a little bit. Uh, I guess he was a little more third quarter as the game went on. Uh, but it was it was Towns that really kind of made this thing a game. It ended up being a, a three-point game at halftime. Then the third quarter, Malik Beasley came to life. Uh, and uh, went on I, an 11-0 run completely by himself. And it was really important because that was after Carl Anthony Towns had picked up his fourth foul just a couple minutes into the third quarter. So he sat with basically 10 minutes left in the third quarter. And the Grizzlies easily could have started to pull away. I think there was a one-point Wolves lead or maybe a one-point Memphis lead when, when Towns went out with the with the foul issue. Uh, but then Malik Beasley went on an 11-0 run himself. Uh, I, I should say scored 11 consecutive is a better way to say that for Minnesota. The problem was that the Grizzlies were scoring on their end of the floor. The Wolves couldn't, it was like this weird stretch where Memphis actually made three-pointers. They weren't very good from three for most of the game. But all of a sudden they were really good from deep in the third quarter. And uh, they were keeping p- keeping pace with Malik Beasley. Also, John Morant got hurt in that third quarter. After the game, I, I believe Taylor Jenkins, the Memphis head coach, was saying that it was cramps. It didn't look good. It was John Morant tried to plant his foot in transition. At first, it looked like he turned his ankle, but then on replay, you could tell he didn't. And his he tweaked his hip or something and went out of the game for several minutes. I don't think he ever went all the way back to the locker room, but eventually came back in the game. Certainly didn't look 100%, uh, but that was kind of mid third quarter when he went out towns was out with foul trouble and the wolves won those minutes where neither superstar was on the floor uh, going to the fourth quarter, Minnesota was able to take a one point lead. And then it was D time. Um, D'Angelo Russell was phenomenal. He scored on three consecutive possessions kind of early mid third, fourth quarter, excuse me, including an and one opportunity. Uh, he was going to the basket with consistency and we'll get more into that later because that's not his thing. D'Angelo Russell is not somebody who's looking to get into the paint He's not looking to get all the way to the rim. He's not looking to draw contact and get to the free throw line. But he did that willingly in this game. It was extremely effective. Um, but the offensive rebounding for for Memphis was just unbelievable. And obviously, they're good at it. And the Wolves are a bad defensive rebounding team. So it's the perfect recipe for this to happen. Uh, and Memphis just, that's how they kept themselves in the game. There were five offensive rebounds on missed free throw opportunities alone for Memphis. So, Keep that. I mean, Memphis shot 40 free throws in this game, which is a whole other conversation uh, about the Wolves still not being able to defend without fouling for the life of themselves. Um, but there were five missed free throws that Memphis got offensive rebounds off of. And of course, that means the second free throw in a pair, right? So it didn't even matter what happened on the first one. So they, they only could have really had, what, 15 to 20 second free throws or that, that there would have even been an available rebound. They grabbed five rebounds off of missed free throws, which is just insane. And it's what kept Memphis in the game uh, down the stretch as well. And and both teams went back and forth and, and not to go blow by blow, but at the very end of the game, Timberwolves took a three-point lead. And then Anthony Edwards locked up Ja Morant after a timeout. Memphis went to, uh, I think it was a high screen and roll and Edwards stuck with Ja. And Memphis cut, just kind of flattened everything out and let him go to work. But Edwards got in a really good contest. Morant's uh, three-point attempt was woefully short. It went out of bounds. It was an air ball and a very good defense from Ant. The Wolves called a timeout inbound at Jade McDaniels, got fouled, and he made both free throws to seal the game for Minnesota. And it ended up being a five-point victory for the Timberwolves. Uh, I want to talk key takeaways, and I've got three of them. Uh, One is kind of a two-parter, and I'll spend most of our time on that. Uh, But this was just a really intriguing game. There's like three or four reasons why Minnesota had no business emerging victorious from this one. Uh, but but they pulled it out. So I want to talk about what those reasons were that they shouldn't have won and then how they were able to do it. 
Uh, this was just really fascinating. So we're going to do that next. First, though, let's talk about our friends over at Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply may have forgotten about. On average, people save up to $720 per year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so that you don't have to. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped save them over 100 million dollars, such as Matthew B, who says, quote, in a matter of seconds, I saved $660 for the year on my DirecTV bill, saved $120 for the year on my SiriusXM bill, saved $840 a year on car insurance. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash NBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash NBA could save you thousands a year. Again, Truebill.com slash NBA. Let's also talk about the title sponsors of today's show. And that's, of course, our friends over at rockauto.com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com, both at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every single customer, and they have everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil to even new carpet. Go explore rockauto.com's easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck Right, locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All right. Thanks again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen. It really is greatly appreciated. And a reminder that for your next listen, you can check out the Lockdown Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay. Let's talk key takeaways. So, I mean, I don't know. We can't talk any more on the show without really honing in on this rebounding issue. This is insane. The Memphis had 26 offensive rebounds in this game. That is the most offensive rebounds in a single game for any team all season long. And previously, this year's single game, I guess, quote unquote, record or single game high for the season was Memphis as well. I think it was 23. 26 offensive rebounds for Memphis. They only had 33 defensive rebounds. Almost half of their rebounds were offensive rebounds. Minnesota for the game had only 30 defensive rebounds. So Memphis had 26 offensive rebounds. The Timberwolves had 30 defensive rebounds. That is not a good ratio if you're Minnesota. And yet second chance points, the Timberwolves were about even with Memphis. I think that might have even been slightly ahead. And they only had 12 offensive rebounds. Minnesota did. Because Memphis just didn't capitalize. Now, Memphis shot 9 of 31 on three-point attempts. That was a big part of it. That's just 29%. From the floor, they were under 39%. Uh, But they also attempted 40 free throws, which brings me to my next point. Uh, And I mean, I could belabor the point on defensive rebounding. But I've been talking about this all season. The Wolves are just not a good defensive rebounding team. They haven't been in years. Carl Anthony Towns and Jared Vanderbilt are the only guys on this team that are above average for their position. 
uh, on the glass defensively. Um, and I, I mean, even still, neither one of them is is very dominant at all. The Wolves just struggle to rebound as a team. I mean, Anthony Edwards, Jade McDaniels are two guys who are, are really kind of hot and cold when it comes to rebounding numbers uh, and aren't consistent enough, uh, despite their size and their athleticism. It's just, it's a, it's a team concept issue more than it is an individual player issue, in, in my opinion. I think, um, I think that it's an attitude, right? And the offensive rebounder for Minnesota, Jared Vanderbilt, brings that attitude on offense. I think enough guys kind of follow his lead. But defensively, the Wolves just do not have the right tenacity on the glass. And they were very fortunate in this game that it didn't actually come back to haunt them. It did, but not in a way that they lost the game. But then my second my second thing as part of this first point is, is the fouls again. The Timberwolves have been a, a bottom of the league team all year in terms of personal fouls, right? And opponent free throw rate, which is more important. The Wolves are 30th in personal fouls per game. They give up, they commit the most fouls per game as a team, and they remain last in free throw rate for opponents. They allow the most opponent free throw attempts uh, in in terms of in the context of field goal attempts, right? That's what free throw rate is. So field, free throw attempts per field goal attempts, uh, the Wolves opponents have the, have the best mark, or in the Wolves case, I guess, if you look at it from a Wolves perspective, the worst mark in the league. And that was the thing here. Memphis shot 40 free throws. The Timberwolves shot only 25 on the night. I don't think the officiating was super lopsided. I think it was, it was, it wasn't great overall, but this was more a matter of the Timberwolves. Part of it's a reputation thing, right? The Timberwolves reputation precedes them a little bit when it comes to being a little bit handsy. Uh, And, you know, in the case of Towns, I've talked at length about this before. I feel like he's getting called for, you know, he's got one hand up. He's, he's vertical. He's walling up essentially with, with the one hand in his body, but he has his offhand, you know, in the small of the back of the offensive player. It's the sort of thing that, yeah, letter of the law is a foul, but why doesn't anybody get called for that when they're guarding Towns? Towns always seems to get called for it. So does Jared Vanderbilt for that matter. That sort of a thing is a little bit frustrating, but you can live with that. And also the Wolves have kind of earned that reputation because they have been a little bit foul happy and they have turned a little bit into a, a team that is totally okay with complaining. Um, and I, I think that officials catch catch on to that, certainly. So there's absolutely a, an element of the Timberwolves' reputation precedes them when it comes to, uh, it's a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, I guess, in that regard, in terms of committing fouls. But then compounding that problem is that in this particular game, the Timberwolves couldn't make free throws themselves. They were 17 of 25 from the line. At one point, they were, they were, I think they were 7 of 14 or or, uh, or they were maybe 8 of 16. They were 50% for a lot of the game. They shot it a lot better down the stretch. D'Angelo Russell, Jane McDaniels hit those two big ones at the end of the game. But 17 of 25 for 68%, that means they were a minus 12 and made free throws in this game. Memphis made 29 free throws. Minnesota made just 17 the Wolves were a minus 14 on the offensive glass. Overall, a minus 17 on the boards. You don't win very many games when you're a minus 17 on the boards, out-rebounded by 17, and a minus 12 in the made free-throw column, minus 15 in, in the attempted free-throw column. So the fact that the Timberwolves were even in this game in the second half was somewhat remarkable because they were so bad in all these, obviously, vital categories. Uh, they were almost sunk with some of those unforced, you know, self-inflicted errors. Um, and uh, I, again, I, how were they able to combat that? Well, it was really kind of the brilliance of Carl Anthony Towns in the first half. And this is kind of my my main second takeaway is the offensive balance that the Timberwolves had in this game. Carl Anthony Towns in the second quarter, 
I think he would have done a lot more damage except for the foul trouble. He only played 28 minutes total. He picked up his fourth foul early in the third, fifth foul early in the fourth, uh, and didn't come back in until there were three or four minutes to play and, and did a great job not fouling out of this game too, by the way. Malik Beasley, third quarter was kind of his thing, but it's very easy to lose how well he played in this game. Malik had 17 points, six of nine shooting, made five threes, and he just didn't play down the stretch because the Wolves had, you know, they needed a defender on the on the floor in McDaniels. Jared Vanderbilt fouled, fouled out of the game, and there just wasn't space to have Beasley on the floor, but he played really well in this game uh, and provided some much needed spot up shooting, and they ran a couple plays for him, a couple sideline out of bounds plays where he knocked down a three coming out of a timeout. Um, and uh, just a really solid game for Beasley. And then obviously late in the game, D'Angelo Russell being aggressive and not settling for jumpers. Yeah, he he's a very good jump shooter, and he made, what, uh, three threes in this game. But as weird as it was, everything D'Angelo Russell did was was keen off of his ability to get into the paint. He was happy to 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 penetrate the defense against the Grizzlies, get into the paint, shot a couple of floaters, but more often than not was getting all the way to the rim and drew fouls. He attempted nine free throws. His 37 points came on just 21 shots on uh, two point attempts. He was 10 of 13 on two point attempts. Not what we typically see out of D'Angelo Russell and his aggressiveness offensively off the dribble is really what keyed the entire offense for the Wolves in a game where ultimately they they played pretty well outside of the missed free throws, 46% from the field offensively, 38% from three um, and uh, a solid all around offensive performance. And a lot of that was really because of D'Angelo Russell. And again, I said this earlier, he had 23 in the fourth quarter alone, 23 of his 37 came in the fourth quarter. He completely came to life, hit a big corner three uh, that put the Wolves, I think, back on top. I believe they were down two. He hit the corner three to put the Wolves back up by one with a couple of minutes to play. Um, just a phenomenal fourth quarter for D'Lo. And uh, he was he was the reason that the Timberwolves offense was humming the way that it was. Uh, my last takeaway was is Anthony Edwards, just generally, I think the, the, the key point here is he still had a good game despite shooting the ball horribly once again. He shot the ball one of 11, Missed all six of his three-point attempts, just three of six at the free throw line. He had five points on 11 shots in 32 minutes. However, he had seven assists in this game and four rebounds, two blocks, including one big one late in the game. And he played really well defensively. I mean, this this is easy to look over, too, because he was so bad defensively all of last year. He struggled early this year. He still is prone to gambling too much as an off-ball defender. He tries to jump passing lanes a little bit too much. He doesn't need to gamble that much because he's so big and athletic and quick. Uh, but he has been pretty good on the ball for much of this season, and that was the case in this game. The Wolves actually put him on John Morant late in the game. He did very well. Obviously, Morant was hobbled a little bit after banging his hip against the ground, or I guess tweaking his hip early in the game or third quarter, I guess. Uh, But Anthony Edwards, like we saw this right before the break in the game where he sprayed his ankle against Charlotte. He missed the second half in overtime, but he came back to the bench, was happy-go-lucky cheering on his teammates, was cheering for Cat when he got 39, almost got the 40-point game. Um, Didn't play well on the Wednesday before the All-Star break, but still you know, played, was happy, was, was with the team. Obviously they lost that game, but it just, it doesn't feel like he ever really gets down and out on himself at all. Um, and now this is weirdly enough, this is the first stretch in his career where he scored in single digits in three consecutive games. He had a stretch his rookie year where there were four to five games when he scored single digits, uh, kind of right, right around when he started, when he joined the starting lineup as a rookie. But this is the first time in his entire career is, I guess, year in year plus where he's had three consecutive single-digit scoring nights. He's at, he's had five single-digit scoring nights since February 1st. 
He had nine all of last season. And this year, in October, November, December, January combined, he only had three nights where he scored in the single digits. He's had five since February 1st. Now, he's also had a 37-point game and a 31-point game that came consecutively uh, the week just last weekend or the weekend before the All-Star break, I should say. But since he scored 37 in Indiana on Sunday the 13th, uh, he has put up nine points in the Charlotte game. Of course, he got hurt and was was out of the game uh, at halftime. Six points against Toronto on uh, Wednesday before the All-Star break on 0 of 8 shooting and five points against the Grizzlies. And I, I guess maybe the nine points is not what we should focus on in the game he got hurt, but he was shooting three of 10 in that game. So over the last three games, going back to before the All-Star break, of course, Ant has shot four of 29 from the floor. Four of 29 from the floor and one of 17 from three-point range. He hasn't been much better at the free-throw line either. He's 11 of 21 from the free-throw line over the last three games. Not a great run for Anthony Edwards. We've seen this before, maybe not quite to this extent, but he goes through these you know, dips, and he's going to bounce back. I mean, clearly before the break, he was banged up. We know he hurt his ankle. He'd been talking about his knee hurting previously as well. Uh, we'll see how healthy he's able to get. Of course, now the back-to-back games on Friday, uh, then two days off in between back-to-back sets, then another two days off between back-to-back set. Um, but hopefully it could get enough rest for his knee. Um, my last thing real quick is Chris Finch, just the lineup combinations, his feel for the game is just so phenomenal. Um, and he was pushing the right buttons in this game, right? Malik Beasley was so just kind of missed all his shots, I believe early in the game, like his first stint, but then he got hot in the third quarter and Finch rode Beasley until it, until he had to cycle him out, but he didn't force the issue by trying to get him back into the game. He rode with the lineup that was working in the moment, and that was the energy of Vanderbilt. He needed the rebound into Vanderbilt. He couldn't have... Malik Beasley had one rebound in 18 minutes. Finch knew he needed somebody that could compete on the glass against an aggressive team like Memphis late in the game. Beasley helped keep them in the game and give them a lead, but down the stretch, it was Vanderbilt. Ultimately, then it was McDaniels and Vanderbilt was hurt. He had Patrick Beverly out there just the right amount. Um, Pat Bev played a pretty good game overall. Um, And just pushing the right buttons, the right combinations, the right sub at the right time, uh, and also being, once again, being creative with Carl Anthony Towns and how he uses him offensively. I mean, Cat only played 28 minutes, but he had 22 and 11. He went on a, a brief kind of spurt where he shot like three of his four three-point attempts came within like two minutes of each other. Um, but otherwise, the Wolves were moving him around, doing you know middle pick and rolls, having him in the middle of the floor, giving him catches on the perimeter, allowing him to face up and beat Steven Adams off the dribble. He did that several times in the first half. That was kind of his go-to in the second quarter. Uh, you know, Towns doesn't need to take Steven Adams into the post. He could just take him off the dribble or he can shoot threes. Um, and the the adaptability of Finch and the Timberwolves offense this year has been so central to their success. And this, this game was really kind of a microcosm of the season of adjusting, uh, you know, dealing with adversity, a game where the Wolves, again, I'll say it again because it's insane. Minus 17 on the glass, including minus 14 on the offensive boards, minus 12 in the made free throw column. And the Wolves still win this game by two possessions. It doesn't make sense, but it, it was uh, it was Chris Finch, D'Angelo Russell down the stretch, a little bit of Towns and Malik Beasley in the middle, um, some solid team defense late, and uh, that's what got it done. All right, uh, let's uh, let's close this thing out by looking at individual studs and duds for the Timberwolves. First, though, before we get to that, let's talk about our friends over at Built Bar. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but. 
Not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution, though, because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried Built Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors, like yummy cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They're all delicious. They're going to be your new favorite. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, including Puffs. That's 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are truly better. A typical candy bar could be anywhere from two to 300 calories or more. But you can go to Built.com, scroll down to the macros chart. You'll be absolutely blown away. High protein, low cal, high fiber, low carb. Most Built Bars have just 130 calories with only four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which is caught around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for the month of February, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It will be delicious, and it will be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy, and I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every single time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, let's talk individual studs and duds. So, uh, pretty easy in this one. Number one has to be D'Angelo Russell. He was phenomenal. I, I talked a little bit about this earlier, but just a maestro it, it, on the offensive end of the floor was was kind of lulling the Memphis defense to sleep. Teams know that he would rather shoot step back threes. He would rather, um, you know, kind of get into the mid range. And he shot a few elbow jumpers in this game, uh, but he was ten of thirteen on two point attempts, three of eight on threes, got to the line nine times used a lot of hesitation dribbles and just kind of the timing of, of what everything he did was so deliberate and so perfect in this game. 37 points, nine assists for D'Lo, 13 of 21 shooting overall, three of eight on threes and eight of nine at the line, two rebounds and a steal, turned it over four times. He was a team, or I should say, had the best plus minus in the starting lineup of a plus seven, was very, very good in this game. Uh, and of course, the 23 in the fourth quarter was absolutely huge. And basically the reason, if you wanted to just boil it all, boil it all down and completely oversimplify everything, the reason the Timberwolves won was Delo's fourth quarter performance. Second for me has to be Malik Beasley. I mean, his third quarter, when Towns was on the bench with foul trouble, Beasley was the reason in the third quarter that the Timberwolves hung around and actually had a lead for a decent chunk of the third quarter. Now, John Rant was out of the game, sure. Uh, but Malik got real hot for, for a period of four, five, six minutes. Total for the game, 17 points in just 18 minutes of play. Five, six of nine shooting, five of seven on three-point attempts. He had one, his only make that wasn't a three was a really nice kind of a secondary break. Um, uh, I think it was Jordan McLaughlin was on the fast break and, and tried to drive a seam. Notice he didn't have it. He didn't have the numbers. He pulled the ball back out to the wing and Beasley backfilled kind of in the wake of Jordan McLaughlin, uh, cut right to the rim. Perfect pass from J-Mac and a, uh, a basket at the rim for Malik Beasley. And, and he can be so good in transition. He just hasn't been consistent this year. But if, if that can give him some confidence, that basket in transition, his 5 of 7 night outside the arc, I know we've said this before, but maybe, just maybe, this is it for Malik. He needed the all-star break, clear his head. 
made his last, I think, five three-point attempts in this game. Uh, 17 points in 18 minutes. If 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 he's ever going to get going, maybe this is it. He gets to keep it going again 24 hours later against Philly on Friday. So he doesn't have to sit and think about it. He could just get right back out there and hopefully pick up where he left off in Thursday's game. Third stud has to be Carl Anthony Towns. I know he was in foul trouble. A couple careless fouls. It was kind of his fault. I mean, you know, doesn't have anyone to blame but himself. I've talked about this before. Yes, the officials officiate him a little bit differently and it's not right. But he's got to be a little more careful. Still, very good when he was on the floor. 22 points and 11 rebounds in just 28 minutes. Three assists and three blocks in this game for Cat. Nine of 19 shooting, which is just fine. Two of four on three-point attempts. Only two of four at the free throw line in this game for Cat. Uh, but a great... Uh, eh, great. Great's maybe not the right word. A very good all-around performance from Cat coming out of the All-Star break. And he was good defensively. Um, and the Wolves have been trying some different things lately. They had, of course, been playing the... Uh, the uh, They had stopped dropping and pick-and-roll game this season um, and were hedging really hard and really kind of playing a blitz, uh, a, a blitz pick-and-roll defense. And then before the break, they kind of started played a little more drop coverage. I think we're going to see that dependent on the personnel moving forward. Obviously, Memphis is really scary uh, because of how John Morant could do damage in the paint and also their offensive rebounding ability. So playing drop coverage against Memphis makes a little more sense than against some of these other teams. Memphis is a bottom 10 uh, three-point shooter shooting team in terms of both attempts per game and percentage. Uh, and I mean, in this game, the Wolves packing the paint helped to slow down Morant, who had just, what, uh, 20 points on 25 shots. And Memphis as a team only shot 29% from outside the arc. But against other opponents, like, for instance, against Philadelphia on Friday, that may not work quite as well because uh, there's a lot of guys on the team that can shoot the ball from distance. Um, and, of course, now James Harden will be on the Sixers on Friday as well. At any rate, Towns was good, though, defensively. He he was solid in whatever scheme the Wolves had him in in this game. Um, and I, I thought he played very well. Uh, a dud for the Timberwolves, eh, it's kind of hard to come up with one. Nobody really played poorly. Uh, Torian Prince shot just two of eight off the bench, one of six on threes. Uh, not his best game, but he didn't play bad. He just missed shots. Nas Reed was very good, uh, so not a dud at all, but I, I wanted to shout him out, I guess. Six points, three rebounds, and three blocks in 20 minutes. Uh, talked about Malik already. Jeremy McLaughlin didn't shoot the ball in 12 minutes, but he was fine. Really no duds for the Wolves in this game. Um, outside of, you could, I mean, you could say Anthony Edwards, of course, we talked about his one of 11 already, but again, seven assists, two blocks, a very good defense late. The stop against Morant down the stretch. Uh, it's very hard to, uh, to be too upset with how Anthony Edwards played in this game. Um, so all things considered a really solid win, despite being way down on the boards, way down in the free throw column. Uh, and, and, you know, committing what, allowing 40 free throws for the opponent against a really good team, a team that's already got 40 plus wins, a really solid victory for the Timberwolves. Of course, now they have to turn on to face Philly on Friday night. James Harden's Sixers debut at Target Center on Friday. Hopefully there will be a good crowd for that uh, at Target Center. Um, and then Saturday and Sunday off. No game Saturday, Sunday before getting back at it. Monday at Cleveland. Uh, so uh, we uh, will, of course, be back on Monday. We'll talk about, uh, you know, Heading into the week, a packed week of games again next week. Two back-to-backs for the Wolves, so four games next week. Um, otherwise, though, uh, we, we'll we have the post-game pod after Wolves Sixers on Friday, so be sure you're following and subscribed. And thanks again to those of you that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen each and every day. It's greatly appreciated. And uh, a reminder that the show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all your favorite audio platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Odyssey. Um, and also, you can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T-Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N.
Thanks again for listening to Lockdown Wolves, of course, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Uh, and thanks again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen. You can make your second listen, Lockdown NBA. Lockdown NBA is the Lockdown experts covering the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.